the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right. Did you hear that, Jacob? He said, get out your Bible. Uh, I, yes, I have my Bible. Oh, you don't have to ask Bible. me ten, tonight, 10 times tonight. Do you have your Bible with you? Yes, yes. I've got it. <laughs> I've got okay. it. Get out your Bible. Welcome, folks, to the Bible Live broadcast. What's all that noise in the background, Jonathan? Is there uh, – I'm hearing a – you know, I don't know if that's any particular reason for it. Do you hear it? Yeah, it could just be background. Okay, yeah, it seems to be. Is that the helicopter whirling around the top of the building? Is that what it's all about? Yeah, what's that buzzing around? Do you hear it as well? You're right in the middle of my joke. Raining outside? No, I yes, I hear it. Okay, but what's that buzzing around your head? Raining outside? No, what's that buzzing around your head? I said, what's that buzzing around your head? All right. Well, John's going to get on it here. He's going to fix us up, and we'll get that noise. I I don't know if you folks are hearing it or not. You can give us a call and let us know, 210-340-9585. There's more than one way to get folks to call in the program, right? Uh, We want to hear if you're hearing a bunch of noise. I think we should just call them. Maybe hearing them. There's more of us than there are them, right? There was a a radio show in Detroit where they used to do that, and they'd call people and pretend there's somebody else in there. It's hilarious. Well, sure, yeah. I've had people. Uh, I've heard people call people on from the program. It, sometimes it can be really funny. Well, this is the Bible Live broadcast. My name is Soapy. My sidekick here, Jacob, and we are commenting and, and focusing this entire ninety minutes coming up 
on the Bible, this great book of books, uh, 66 books written over a period of 1,500 years by about 40 different authors, uh, and uh, we are making our way through it every year. If you listen Monday through Friday, you get a chance to hear the great book of books. You get to hear the Bible uh, every weeknight, a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures, and uh, Monday through Friday, and then every year, the entire Bible. We make it from Genesis to the maps, as they say. Uh, all the way back to the book of Revelation, and you can join us right now. We are just finished this past week. I think we finished the book of Isaiah. Well, we yay, finished the book of Isaiah. Yay, yay. It's always good when we finish a book. Yeah, that we are deserving. Yeah, it it makes it. us feel good to, to get, uh, finish a book. Now we're going to go right on into another great prophet of Israel, uh, the prophet Jeremiah. We're going to pick yeah, up with yeah. him. Jeremias, or however you say it, I'm not sure. But uh, we're gonna we started into the book of Jeremiah, so tonight we're going to be uh, looking into that book, giving you a little bit of background about the book, about the individual himself, what he was like. Actually, he's one of my favorite for the same reason. He's that, your favorite? Yes, he is one of my favorites. Just like Job is one of yours. Why do you think? Why is Job one of your favorite books? Your favorite people? I, I I know more about God from the book of Job than any other book. And why? Because he was the closest to the events. Oh, okay. I thought it was maybe because he suffered a lot because he went no. through a lot of difficulties no. and trials no, and I, tribulations. I don't care if he suffered or if he had a great time, and uh-huh. I don't. It doesn't make that much difference to me. Uh, my theory is the more modern people we learn more, we have more to say. We can act like we're more studious. We learn a lot more four syllable words. But I think the people closest to the original events are the ones that I need to listen to. For example, if somebody was alive today that's at Mount Sinai, I would tend to listen to them before I listen to a modern preacher. Closer to the events. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's, I mean, it's not it's everybody agrees with me, but then I am an expert in my own opinion. That's right. And uh, you found that, that most people. Most people something agree with you. What is it? I found it? the smartest people always agree with me. <laughs> there you go. I knew there was something like that. Well, uh, of course, Jeremiah, I like him because uh, I like him because he remained faithful even in very difficult, tough situations. You, you know, know, at one point he gets thrown down a well. <clears throat> I know. He yeah, got, did I ever tell you my joke about that? Yeah, something, uh, I, won't, I won't ruin your punchline. What is it? punchline, Soapy. Uh, these two guys, they throw him down a well, and as he's going down real quick, one guy looks at the other guy and says, boy, our profits are going down fast. <laughs> and, of course, that's ba-dum, ba-dum, you know, there you go. Well, the, th- <laughs> the thing I like about it is that, for example, in... in 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 our culture in America, I mean, now I know that times aren't this particular easy, but it's we generally have the idea that ministry ministry is relatively easy. You know, if you you start a church, you get a little building, and you start preaching the scriptures, and, and pretty soon people come, and it, and it you know it's kind of if you build it, they will come mentality. Ministry in some ways seems kind of easy and natural, and just, you know just you can do it. 
Well, and I think kind of Jeremiah cut cuts against the grain there. You know, it's not just preaching they will come. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, more than any other figure in the Old Testament, I think, destroyed that idea because God called Jeremiah to the difficult task of warning the people of Judah, uh, especially those in the capital city, Jerusalem. He warned them to turn away from their idolatry, their apostasy, immoral lifestyle, degeneracy, and and Judah was at its lowest point spiritually, living on the verge of judgment, actually. The, the, the Babylon was growing in power and strength and, and, and threatening. And uh, for four, 40 years, Jeremiah took his message of warning to the people, only to be met with complete rejection. He was persecuted, ridiculed, imprisoned. He was mocked. Like you said, they they threw their prophet down and <laughs> sinking quickly uh, and he became um he became rejected you know and, and disrespected in his own culture and society and yet he kept on being faithful he shook his bony finger in the face of the kings and different ones and and uh, he did some things that were very very unpopular that made people question his patriotism and so on you know at one point uh with him and prior to him especially when other people came in and conquered israel one of the first rules they did is make they they wouldn't let them make iron that kind of thing they couldn't have weapons mm-hmm. and the special materials do you know what that was at that time that was gun control Right, we exactly. We want to make sure that if we're going to oppress somebody, we do, we've got to control the weapons. You've got to take away their capability of defending themselves, no doubt about it. Well, that's part of the lesson of Jeremiah. It's some very practical things we look at and find in all of the scriptures. Um, but but I, I, I find Jeremiah interesting. Probably yeah. not to the degree you do. Mm-hmm. I really do. He really – tough times, difficult yeah. things, and he, and he remained the, – the thing I like about him is he remained faithful. Uh, and, and I think, in a sense, I can uh, see why that would bother you. I mean, you, that you'd like that. Yeah, just stay in the saddle, keep after it, don't quit. Uh, that's the way I've I've gained a lot of victories in life. Can you? you know, uh, do you know the Gene Autry song? No. I'm back in the, the saddle, saddle again. I thought you said you didn't know. I did know, know it. I didn't know. See, I know all kinds of things I don't even know I know. Well, you know, I used to know an old farmer, and he used to say to me, I don't think I understand everything I know about that. <laughs> I, I just, I'm just, I'm amazing. I'm just, I know more things than I thought I knew. But I, I knew back in the saddle again. But the, the point is, and in, 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 we've been on the mission field, okay, Suzanne and okay, I. Okay, wise guy. What's, never mind. Never mind, I decided not to ask. Okay, we've been on the mission field about 50 years now. And and I've, I've found that a lot of times I've gained a victory and I've gained success in different projects and different ministries. And, and mainly the secret has been, don't quit. Just stay in the saddle. Keep, keep the vision. Keep the hope. Keep the and just stay with it. Did you know, you know David Crockett wrote his own autobiography? I'm not surprised. What was it called? Uh, <laughs> David Crockett's autobiography, and uh, he misspelled some words. And you can buy it, and they printed it just the way he wrote it with the misspelled words. But that's okay. <laughs> but when his motto in life was one thing, very simple. And I know what it is. I'm not going to tell you. No, it's okay, Sophie. You go ahead. No, no. I, I think I. Let's see if I know. I, okay, let's see. Go if ahead you know. and say uh, it's something like uh, be sure. Something you're, like you said, you knew. Be sure you're right. Then go ahead. No, no. Well, it was something like that. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. You no, made fun no, of me. You start off by saying I know what it is. <laughs> I thought it. Was, I did know. 
Yeah, so, but you were close. See, I know some things I didn't think I knew, and then I and, think and I know some you, things that I don't you know. Don't know <laughs> other things that you think you know. Exactly. Yeah, so you. what is it? You, it's, it's very close to what you said. It was, uh, if you think you're right, then go ahead. Okay. All right. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. I was in the ballpark. You were least, in you the know, ballpark. Yeah, I think be sure you're right. Ballpark was in South Korea, but you were in the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to get into Jeremiah now. When was Jeremiah? You tell us about Jeremiah. How, how, how did you like to know? How how how, are you doing? how was Jeremiah viewed in 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 the uh, uh, you know the Jewish world? And of course, I, you're not speaking for all Jews, of course. But well, no, I got uh, the I got the signs on papers tonight. I can speak for them all. Oh. For for all of them. Uh, so, okay, then uh, tell us a little bit about Jeremiah. How is he viewed? How is what is he thought of? Well, very know? much the way you're thinking. Of course, he was he was, uh, uh, he was actually. Uh, we actually know that he was actually delivering a message that was already set up. He, he but the strange thing we have to ask ourselves: Why was he telling people to repent when repentance would have done no good? Did you know that? Well, okay. I, I'm not sure if I agree with it, but you don't have to agree. We yeah. can actually. Find I can be it wrong if I want to be right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Thank I'm you. not going to infringe upon your right to be wrong. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. But actually, in Second Kings, uh, chapter twenty-one, verses eleven through fifteen, we actually we we're told. You want me to read it? Yeah. Sure. I actually happen to have it. What a coincidence! Uh, you have your Bible with you? Uh, I, oh, <laughs> he, okay. You got me. That okay. Uh, uh, let's see. Well, here, here's basically uh, King Manasseh of Judah. He had committed such abominations, and since he was, he had caused Judah to sin with all the idols. God, the Lord of Israel, said, "I will bring such a disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of everyone who hears about it will ring. I will wipe out Jerusalem. I will abandon the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them to their enemies. They will become spoil and plunder for all their enemies because they have displeased me and angered me since the time when their ancestors left Egypt to this day. So it's already set up to go. So what's going to happen is we have to ask ourselves, if that's the case, what's the point uh, if, what's the point of him preaching repentance? There's well, an answer, but let's see if it's come up with. Well, uh, I, I was thinking you were going to quote that passage somewhere in Jeremiah. God tells Jeremiah, don't even pray for them anymore. That's, and that's because of what we just read in Kings. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. and, and so See, I, you were right again. I, I, I just... It just happens. Yeah, and I, I don't even really do it intentionally. I just, uh, but th- that's kind of. The, I guess we're on the same idea there that uh-huh. that judgment was certain, right. and, and resistance was futile. Uh-huh. <laughs> to to take a term from Star Trek, you know, that resistance is futile. Well, but still, well, the Jeremiah just blinked, yeah. stayed in there. He kept preaching. Uh-huh. He kept calling on them, hoping and praying that they yes. would repent. And did they repent? No. So, ah, so they didn't repent. So that certainly made it dovetail well with what God had prophesied in uh, 
Yeah, exactly. And they and they they persecuted him. Like you say, he was. I remember one time he's preaching his message to the to the king. Yeah. Or he sent his assistant to preach the message. His message to the king. And and he would read a page of his message, and then the king would reach over and tear it up, throw it in the fire. I mean, really, the incredible disrespect and disregard for his message, for him as a person, and and for uh, the message he preached. Now he was considered to some degree a traitor and and an unpatriotic because he was telling the people to don't resist Nebuchadnezzar, don't resist the Babylonians, you know, give in to them, um, take your medicine and so on. And they thought he was unpatriotic and, you know, and well, from the book of Jeremiah, that, right? we, we learn a lesson that's been handed down since the time of Jeremiah. Would you like to know that lesson? Mm, tell us. I thought you might want to tell us. No, no I want you to tell us. Okay. Uh, basically, it's this. And then I'll take credit for it. Uh, no problem. Uh, <laughs> you are not required to complete the task, but you are required to do your part. Try to do and your that's part. the point of Jeremiah. That is. And we're going to learn that God leaves the temple. Oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, where does he go? Where does God ding, go? Ding, 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 <clears throat> ding, ding. Time's up. We didn't read about it this week, though, did we? No, we didn't read. Okay. We'll do it next week. Okay, so then <laughs> that's my out. I'll know by next week uh-huh. when we read about it, okay? Okay. I'll hear it. Let's go to the phones. Well, okay, we've got let's a, take a phone call. We've got a, a listener you on the line. Listener? Harold wants to talk to us. He's on what line? Okay. Let's go and talk to Harold. Hi, Harold. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing okay. Are you I'm hearing? Are you hearing this music in the? I mean, this noise in the background. Oh. Okay. Good. Well, good. It's just in my my earphones then, so uh, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. That's good news. Well, okay. uh, what's on your I'm mind? I'm laughing. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> I mean, because it was funny. Yeah. But uh, actually, you know, I didn't want to be off off the topic, but I did call before you had a topic. Uh huh. So oh. I don't know if it's. So oh, that, that makes us off topic. <laughs> yeah, well, now you're on topic. But now yeah. we're on topic. But no, you go ahead and yeah. talk about whatever you want you to talk are about. on the air. Let's yeah. talk about the Lord. Well, the, I guess the first thing I'd want to say is that that we had some visitors knocking on the door Saturday morning, and they had some pamphlet, you know, and it had every religion. I'm not going to name the religion, so uh-huh. you can figure them all out. And, uh, every religion on there and they asked me which one do I belong to and I said well shoot I don't see it on here wow because because all these were very negative to them and it were was these a people armed Christian church <laughs> no it, well yes they each had two arms but um they um they were uh, <laughs> okay they were from a Christian church and everything and I understand knocking on doors and you know, everyone needs to be saved and everything. But I had said you mentioned this person, this this church, this and that, and all these others. But uh, you didn't mention Judaism, and that's re- and that's really lucky for you. What did they say? Because Jesus, well, they said why? He goes, the Jews are lost, and I said, well, <laughs> wait a minute, they're not even on your pamphlet. And Jesus was Jewish, remember, and he came for the Gentiles. They can't be lost if they're not on their pamphlet, right? That's the idea. Right. You know, I just thought it was so funny. And I looked up the church. It's a legitimate place and everything. But, you know, but there was, uh, you know, I just thought it was so funny. Someone's coming to teach me something that all these other things 
have their negative part, but they left out Judaism. And I said, well, I'm a member of uh, Temple Beth El. And, oh, but that's Jewish. Well, you don't have it on your pamphlet. You know, I was just trying to, uh-huh, said, sure, ma'am, sure. we can't just, you know, I just said, ma'am, we can't discuss, I can't explain everything on the front, on the front porch. Uh-huh. But they were ready to leave, apparently. But there is just one more thing. Um, you know, my son, he came to visit us Saturday, uh, Friday, and we, we went to our favorite little restaurant. We've been going there about 30 years, and everyone's happy to see him, you know. And um, there was a new waitress there, probably 17 years old, and... You know, when we see a new waitress, we always try to make them feel part of the family. Don't make them nervous. You say, and welcome to our trip. restaurant? Is that what you tell them? Yeah. We're glad you're like that. It's Bobby's working Cafe, at our restaurant you know. now. Yeah. Well, you know, Harold's been there since he was a baby, and, you know, we were there before that, and he's 25. Right. But, you know, I could tell she was a little shy and everything, about 17, maybe 18, and her second trip back, I asked her, so what do you believe in? And uh, she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, what do you believe in? You have a necklace around your neck that says believe. And I said, oh, <laughs> Way to go, Harold. That's good. Well, what well, did she say? Well, she says, my dad passed away when I was 12 years old. And my family just got enough money to get this necklace for me so I can constantly be reminded of my dad. And, of course, we, you know, we I just kind of like, you know, what oh. do I say next? And I said, Sweet. I said, you know, I said, you know, my sisters, I have two sisters, and of course I do miss my dad also, but it just seemed, and my sisters are, were 54, they're 62 now, uh-huh. and I said, it just seems to be harder for the girls. I said, yes, it's hard for me, but it just seems harder. They lost their dad. And I just want to say, you know, regardless of my sisters being 54, and y'all being, you know, how old you were, 12, you still have those memories that will last a lifetime. Yeah. And she and she just put her arm on my shoulder and said, thank you so much for saying that. And I'm just like, I'll I tell you what, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm spiritual, but I, it was almost like that, almost word for word. And I don't know if there's a Holy Spirit, maybe God himself, but my son didn't say anything. He wasn't picking on me like he does sometimes. <laughs> you know, but, you know, when I saw that that necklace, I was trying to start a, you know, like a little conversation or something. Yeah, uh-huh. And it, you know, and it just, uh, it just got to be a little bit, you know. You bet, You never know. Yeah. That smiley face. What's behind that face? What's I know? What's going on in people's lives? And we're that's all right. wearing some kind of armor, I guess. I guess that's hers. Well, sure. You know, I was talking to some folks this morning as, as I was teaching out at Lackland, working with the basic trainees. I taught the class on how to, uh-huh. to communicate our faith, how we can, as, as, as believers, how we can effectively and in a positive, affirming way and an uplifting way, how we can communicate our faith to others in a positive way. And, and so I, I taught, a, I, I guess I taught about 200 uh, young believers there uh, in our religious education classes. We talked about communicating our faith. And I think you just illustrated something very interesting in both of your stories, the people that came to your door, they were trying to communicate. 
uh, their faith, mm-hmm. and and you know, effectively or not effectively, depending on how you you know you took it. And it sounded like you you're a friendly person, and you took it well, and you entered into a little dialogue with them. But then you have this other experience with this young lady, and I was telling the guys in the class this morning, the men and women in the class, that you know when you when you take the time to listen to someone. And, and ask mm-hmm. questions and be sincerely, genuinely interested in their life and, and what they think and, and their experiences. It is amazing to me how people will open up if they if they. Do determine, you find that's really true, Soapy? If you if you, I've always found it true. If you truly show an interest in people, a genuine. I'm not talking about using them or manipulating them, but ch- truly interested in ask questions and who, what, when, where, how, and why, and and be interested in their life and what their life experience has been. I, I find that once they're convinced that that you really are interested in them, they 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 open up like a flower in, in the spring rain. They just open up and mm-hmm. they start sharing all kinds of things with yeah. you, like this young lady with you, the death of her father yes, and what that I, meant to her. It's astounding to yeah. me that I think people are, are so, and generally are so hungry for love and for uh, for acceptance and for to be able to be heard. That when you offer yourself like that, that. I, it seems to have that effect. Why, we, why did you ask the question? Well, because that way? I'll tell you, Harold. Uh, Harold, can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. Actually, yes, when somebody comes and knocks on my door, Joe witnesses, Mormons, whoever. Like last time, somebody came. There was a couple of nice kids, very clean cut kids, white shirts, black uh-huh, ties, uh-huh. nice kids. Uh-huh. And I said, and they told me they were going to give me a little Bible. And I said, oh, you came to talk to me about the Bible? And they said, yeah. And I said, great. Hey, listen, let's get. I, I'll put a Bible on my coffee table. Let me let me put on some coffee, and we're just going to sit down and talk. And they said, well, we don't have time for all that. And I said, I thought you came to talk to me about the Bible. <laughs> and uh, and I found they always, as soon as I said, I'll put on coffee. Let me get my Bible, put it here on the coffee table. Uh-huh. We'll just sit down and have ourselves an afternoon. Uh-huh. Uh, they leave. Yeah. And I, well, yeah. I, I, I well, get in my it. case, you, uh-huh. know, you know, but in my case, you know, I understand, you know, I have been door to door before myself. And, you uh-huh. know, with my cousin Johnny, that was a, or is a Baptist preacher. He has a small church. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, I do like, your story, Jacob, also, and and obviously you would have a lot to offer. I'm, I, I guess I'm a little bit more limited, but I didn't want to lead them on. I was just trying to be nice, uh-huh. and uh, you know because you you just really can't talk to anyone hardly about religion. You know, you know, and I had to tell her. I said, "Well, ma'am, you know, I'm 65 almost, and I have got had to have heard of Jesus by now, don't you think?" Uh huh. Yes, but you know all that kind of stuff, and sure, sure. they're doing. They're called to do that. Yeah, and to, to witness to people. I don't even want to use the word that. You know, they uh-huh. they're they're called to witness to people, and they feel good about it. They have their Bibles, and you know, like I said, I looked up the church. It's Christian Rock Church or something, and it's you know, it's a little place, and everyone starts somewhere, and that's what made me think about Can that when you said. You know, you go out by faith, you start a church, and next thing you know, you had people coming. Yep. So I hear your music, guys, so... Um, <laughs> so go ahead and announce, now, we'll, say, tell all our listeners, Harold, say we're going to take a break now. Don't go away. Okay, we're going to take a break now. 
Don't go away, and I'll be back next week. (laughs) (laughs) Harold, thanks for calling. It's all good to hear from you, brother. We're glad to hear from Harold, truly. And uh, we can build a little bit on those stories he told. That's interesting. I think the two stories are kind of interesting, the way he put them together. With offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. God's love gives second chances to all who seek him. Welcome to today's encouragement from Our Daily Bread. Today's reading is written by Patricia Rabin. It's titled, Another Chance. At the Second Chance Bike Shop near our neighborhood, volunteers rebuild cast-off bicycles and donate them to needy kids. Shop founder Ernie Clark also donates bikes to needy adults, including the homeless, the disabled, and military veterans struggling to make it in civilian life. Not only do the bicycles get a second chance, But sometimes the recipients get a new start, too. One veteran used his new bike to get to a job interview. Second chances can transform a person's life, especially when the second chance comes from God. The prophet Micah extolled such grace during a time the nation of Israel groveled in bribery, fraud, and other despicable sins. As Micah lamented in chapter 7, the godly people have all disappeared. Not one honest person is left on the earth. God would rightly punish evil, Micah knew. But being loving, God would give those who repented another chance. Humbled by such love, Micah asked, Where is another God like you, who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? We, too, can rejoice that God doesn't abandon us because of our sins if we ask for forgiveness. As Micah declared of God, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. God's love gives second chances to all who seek him. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Middle of the night or middle of the day, you'll hear messages of God's Word from national and local hosts you know and trust all day, every day on AM630 The Word and now through your Alexa device. More at am630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Tori Kelly has just released her third studio album, Inspired by True Events, a work which focuses on pop stylings while still incorporating gospel undertones. interview, Tori says that this album is not an up-to-the-minute portrait, but rather a series of snapshots of her life over the past couple of years. And the result is a creative, engaging, and autobiographical pop album that feels both light and heavy at times, reminding listeners that life is full of disparities as well as joy-filled victories. See our full review at PluggedIn.com radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Family's Plugged In. 
find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. This is going to be good. Here we go. But thou art strong. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all Jesus, wrong. keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied, I'll as, be long satisfied as, long. as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Oh my Got John in the spirit, didn't we? I tell you, that's great. Hold on. Let it be. All right. We are back. This is the Bible Live, and we're looking tonight at the book of Did, Jeremiah. I'm not going to ask you if you have your Bible, but I am going to ask you Thank this. you. Yeah, but I'm going to ask you this. Jeremiah 101. What the Bible you have tonight, what does that say? The Lord – oh, okay. These are, <laughs> I started at verse 4. These are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah. Uh, Hilkiah, okay, now one wait, of the uh, priests from the town of you. Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. Ah, so let's take a look. Who is that guy, Hilkiah? Hilkiah Who was, he? was a priest. Oh, well, he's, that means that Jeremiah is a priest? That's right, right? Whoa, jump back. Meaning, uh, as a priest, that means by. he's a, a – jump back. That means that he is a, a Levite. He is a Levite. Okay. But I'd like to – let's start off by telling you, so let's talk about him, so let's talk about him. So Hilkiah was not a a, a chief priest. He was not of the lineage of Aaron. He he would be the other lineage of Aaron. So he wasn't the the chief priest. He was just a priest. He was not the uh, high priest. High priest. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Don't be sorry. I'll get the right terminology there. High priest. But he was – so he was – We could call him the Kohen Godal, which is the Hebrew word for high priest, but we we won't call him I thought to be the high priest, you had to be a direct descendant of of Aaron, right? Yeah, well, to be a priest, you had to. From other, the oh, from the family lineage of yeah, of Aaron, but that would be a Cohen, but uh, or a priest. Uh-huh. But you, yeah, you'd be from the tribe of Levite in order to do all the temple service. So the tribe took care of the temple. Who becomes the, priest, the head? Wait a minute! But who became the chief priest? Just wait. You stop talking like an Indian. <laughs> Mmm, <laughs> Kimosabi. <laughs> okay, I will. I will. The chief. The word chief is what threw him off, folks. He's, he's, okay. That's right, chief. Yeah. The high priest. High priest. You meant high priest. But who became high priest? Uh, that would be a direct descendant of uh, the. Well, it was one of the descendants, but we did have the uh, the occasion that Pincus or. Uh, 
as I guess in English, is a Phineas. Uh-huh. He also got promoted, so his descendants could be. Uh, okay. But it could be the other children. Yeah, but it has to be a direct descendant, yes, of the head. Of person. Aaron. Of, okay. So, but what I want to ask you is, I don't even know what I was going to ask you now. See, there, that was my so intent. I threw you off. I got to tell you something. I would be interested in paying you to draw a map. I just wonder <laughs> how in the world it would look like. But what I want to know is, who is Hilkiah? One of the priests from the Jeremiah town of... Jeremiah's his son. One of the priests from the town of Anathoth in but the he, land of Benjamin. But he did... Yeah, so we That's know, what he says. So he's Noah's a priest. We know he's a Levite. He's from the tribe of Levite. But this is a very distinct character that we should know. So let's put a little background. Let's put a little spin on this about who Jeremiah is. He came uh-huh. up with a very Okay, just do that. He mm-hmm. is the guy that found the Torah scroll in the ruins. In the time of Josiah? Yes. Okay. So now we know a little bit about yeah, him. Yeah, that's him. That's yeah. who he was. So now we know. So this is his boy. Jeremiah's his boy. So I'll be him. That is interesting, that little connection there. Does that mean that it doesn't mean he was a Benjamite? Because uh, Anathoth was one of the. uh, He can't be a priest and be a Benjamite. Yeah, right. Anathoth, was that one of the, what do you call it, those cities of refuge? Uh, It's one of the cities that belong to the Levites. To the Korthites, yeah. Uh, You will find it in uh, Joshua 21 18, if memory serves. Okay. Now, what I'd like to go to next is another little thing. Look at verse 4, because you started on verse 4. Yeah. Read verse 4, because I'm not going to ask you if you got a Bible. <clears throat> but look at what verse says. 4 says, the Lord gave me this message. Oh, pfft. read 5. I knew you before I formed you Uh-oh. in your mother's womb. Uh-oh. Keep going. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Uh-oh, right there. We keep talking about Jeremiah's talking to the Judah uh-huh. and the uh, kingdom of Judah. Now, this is this is subsequent to the ten tribes being taken away and who right. called themselves the northern tribes, to the ten tribes of Israel. Subsequent means after. It does, yes. Uh-huh. And we'll be taking a station break now, Soapy, so you can get some coffee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but here's the point. My point is, is look what it says. Who's he appointed to? Take a look again. The nations. The nations. What nations? Doesn't say Judah, does it? No. Oh. So the but na- Judah is a nation, so I guess well, it's one of the nations. Well, Israel's a nation. Actually, that's the way the Bible uses that. There's, there's the Jews and then there's the nations. Now, if you're going to say nations away, we use it. Certainly, it's one of the nations. But the way it's using it here is, okay. it's the goyim, the nations. Okay, okay. So it says, "I pointed you to the nations." Now, what in the world does that mean? Because he's going to be talking about Judah. Well, it means Babylon. It means yeah. But what does it mean? Why was he appointed to the nations? That's my point. And I'm going to go to the second. Do you point. have the answer to your question? Well, I thought perhaps you did, Davy Crockett. <laughs> Be sure you're right. Then go ahead. Uh, no, okay, okay. But I'm one of, I want you to answer your own well, question there. It's because when, if you don't Judah mind. is going. He's going to talk to Judah through most of this entire thing. Uh-huh. But he's going to tell us what's going to happen in ultimate retribution to the nations that mistreat 
Judah uh-huh. and the tribe of Judah and Israel. Uh-huh. So they, he's going to give us a lesson about Judah and their bad conduct. And certainly the nations are going to come in. And we know it's Babylon. Uh-huh. But we also are going to learn a lesson to the message from God to the rest of the world. Yeah, the Jews messed up. Yeah, I let you go in there. Yeah, I let you conquer them. I let you do that because they broke the covenant. But I am going to absolutely, depending on how you treat them, I am going to have an ultimate retribution on you. So this prophet Jeremiah, what he's going to tell you is going to be to the nations. Isn't that fascinating? It is. And to some degree, the same thing happened with Isaiah, right? Didn't he actually? But the the interesting thing, these opening, it says, uh, there's a couple of things I want to mention here about verse 5. It says, I knew you before I formed you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I wanted to talk about that. Okay. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Ah. Now, sometimes on a totally different tack, a different direction. Don't set an attack. People try to use that particular verse to uh, as a substantiating verse for the idea that we are pre-existing spirits. Oh, is that called predetermination or something like that? No, no, no. No, that's predestination, predetermination. No, this is the idea that you actually existed Spiritual as a person before you were born. I was going to ask you that. Why don't you give us an explanation from a Christian point of view what that verse 5 means, and then I will tell you what it means, I think, at that time. Um, Well, basically, I think in its context, God is saying – since God dwells in eternity and he Uh he doesn't live in time, he's above – that he's saying, look, I've set you apart, telling Jeremiah, I put you apart – to, and I have, I have, I'm calling you. You with this purpose. This is your purpose in okay. life. Just like he told would Soapy you, Dollar at one would point. Would it be fair to say? Because I want to make sure I understand. Okay. Would it be fair to say that this is like an omniscient thing of God? Omniscient, omnipotent. Yeah, that, that God calls. I was just going to say in the same way that God called Soapy Dollar. He called me into the ministry. He called me to. To serve him, and and that God could say, yeah, you, you know, because God is eternal, he believe, he lives and dwells outside of time and space. I see. I see. He could do that, but I don't believe this means that Jeremiah was a pre-existent spirit that existed. But see, that's not part of the. That's not what Christians. That's not part of Christian theology that they should not believe that. That because uh, uh, I'm going. I was going to tell you what I think it means, and it means exactly that. Go ahead. It means that uh, from the Jewish point of view, that it's not about omniscience or omnipotence. It's not about what God can see because He knows everything. They don't mean it. That I don't. Not. I'm pretty confident in this at this time, and I think even today they don't mean it that way. They have the idea that whatever is the real you, let's call it the, for lack of a better term, we'll call it the spiritual you, shall we? So, so, and and I think that is the real you. You are a you are a living spirit. Okay, well, go you ahead. You are too, my pal. No, but, no, no. But every human being, I mean, that we are spiritual beings. Okay. Yeah. So, but the idea is that they exi- They were. He, he was with God. You might say. I'm explaining it in a very vernacular kind of way, a, a colloquial kind of way. So he's there, 
In fact, there's a term for it in Hebrew. It's called galut. The, pl- the place where it's at, the souls. The, actually, the, uh, there's some, a couple of the words, but do you remember the old cowboy black and white movies? Yeah, sure. And the barmaid walks You're up. big galut, yeah, I and know. And she slaps him on just says, you big galut. Well, that's a Hebrew word. And what that means is you're just a brand new character. You just got here. You just came from that place. So what I think they mean here is exactly what the common surface reading would appear. It means that he was, whatever he was, he was with God. And God says, look, I appointed you. Okay. We just differ on that. I don't believe that. No, that's fine. Mm -hmm. This is not a matter of you can believe and I can believe, Mm -hmm. but I I can tell you historically what the understanding is. So what happens is from the Jewish idea at that time, and mm-hmm. I can't say different now, but they being a human being is just a transitional form, and you'll uh, that they the spirit shall we say goes into a human being flesh, mm-hmm. and the flesh will event, and you'll be here for a time period in that, and that flesh will die and go away. If you'd like to see that, you can actually see that quoted in the book of Ecclesiastes. It actually says that. And and uh, we can talk about that when we get to that book, however. Mm-hmm. But so I'm thinking what it's saying is, so and I won't, I'll let you comment on the Christian point of view, but I think from this point of view he's saying, look, I knew you before I formed you in the womb, because from the, and I, I think from a Christian or Jewish point of view, they say uh, there are three partners to the birth of a human being, a baby. It's the mother and the father and God, because the mother and father make the body. But God puts the spirit in the body. That's what makes the human being alive. So they always say in ancient Jewish literature, there are three partners in the birth of a human baby. That's the idea. Wow. Uh, what you I was going to wow? say is that this, like is, that. Wow. this is mistakenly taken to teach that idea that we were uh, pre-existent spirits. Um for well, example, a, uh, I think the you, Mormon right? church takes that idea that yeah. we were pre-existent spirit, and that that's why they have the temple and they have multiple wives and so on. That you're giving birth. The idea is that you're giving birth, you're giving body to pre-existent spirits. Now, that see what you just called the Mormon that has nothing to do with this. That's well, to, it, that's it works to, off of that idea. No, it works off it, but it's an aberration. Hmm. It has nothing to do with what this says. It's but if what you're saying is true, that is actually what takes place. When a, when a couple has a child, right. they're giving a body to a spirit that already existed. It takes – that's right, because in a very real sense – you know, the reason that the fifth commandment is in the commandments in the order it is, mm-hmm. the first four basically talk about God. Number five – I mean God in heaven. So number five says you shall honor your mother and father, right? Mm-hmm. Well. Now, in the Jewish understanding, there are two tablets. Each tablet has five commandments on it. I know there are different versions, and certain some people say four, some say six, mm-hmm. but that's a different religion. In the Jewish religion, there's five on each one because you've got five fingers on each hand, you see. So the reason number five is the last on the first tablet is because the understanding is that in a sense, and I understand the difficulties, but in a sense... That who gave you your body, not your spirit, not your soul, but your body, was your parents. So in a physical sense, they are superior to you. In other words, they're a, 
form of a god to you. Mm-hmm. They're not the god, but they're a form mm-hmm. of a god to you because they actually gave you your body. Mm-hmm. That's why it's on the same tablet, but below the ones about God. So that's what's going on. So that's the idea. So, And there is an old Jewish saying, as I say, that the three parties are partners in the birth of a child, the mother and the father and God. But uh, that's... And if a person believes it or agrees, that's fine. But the thing about the Mormons, I want to dispel that, that has nothing to do with this. Well, it would make sense in that context. What they're saying would make sense if that's what takes place. But I I guess what I'm trying to say is that, uh, that, yes, God created human beings with with procreative potential. Right, exactly. And so in that sense – Every human being, I mean, we were part of the initial creation of Adam and Eve in that sense, that all the human potential, the genetic potential of every human being that's ever been born and lived on planet Earth was in Adam and Eve. Right. That the, so that when we, when a child is conceived, a man and a wife, they're married, they come together, they create, the, the, that there is a new human being conceived and born in a sense Yes, it's part of the initial creative act of God because it's – but the person is conceived. The person comes to exist uh, at, the t- at the moment of conception, at the moment when they become a, a spiritual being. I, I, I don't think the Bible teaches that there is a preexistent spirit, but that's well, – I didn't expect us to get into the a big – I know. I, I was just using that. that. And, and let's say this. <clears throat> That I I respect what you believe and and I and that's okay and that's that's certainly a, yeah I, and I think that's a fair very fair Christian point of view yeah and and I'm not a, a rabbit about it myself either I you know someday we'll find out that I'm right and we'll go right on ahead when yes, the Lord well, shows us but you know, sure, sure enough Davy <laughs> but okay the, the let's go ahead to verse six ah verse six. because he says I called you I appointed you my prophet and then Jeremiah says. Oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. I'm a boy. And, yeah, and he says, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. And then the Lord said to me, look, Jeremiah, what do you see? I see a branch from an almond tree. And he begins to give him his first vision here. Ah, Tell me from your perspective about the almond tree. Before you get to that, but I I think that's so interesting that Jeremiah's young. He doesn't think, I can't do it, you know. And yet God, I think that should be encouraging to uh, young people everywhere. I think, you know, that. We think, oh, I'm too young. I can't. I never felt particularly qualified, you know, in even my own tiny little life and experience. That, but, but God is so gracious and good. He uses even us in our weakness and our frailty, and He gives us a chance to be involved in helping to build His kingdom. It's an exciting thought, really, to me. Uh, I've always liked that about Jeremiah. He he didn't think I can do it, but. God says, I'm going, to, I'm going to empower you. Now, you asking about this almond tree, yeah, this sorry, first I, I vision. jump ahead. No, that's all right. I, he's, this first vision, I see a branch from an almond tree. And uh, that's right. It means I am watching, says uh, the Lord. And I will certainly carry out my plans. Now, the almond tree, I understood always that the almond tree was one of the earlier 
uh, crops or that, that was it budded early. It did, and, okay. and, and that mm-hmm. God is watching, and that, in a sense, He's telling you it's early on because Jeremiah's ministry spanned what about forty years or more, uh, all the way up to the actually uh, up to and including the uh, destruction of Jerusalem in five five eighty six BC. So we got forty, and He warns them and He calls them, but they never pay any attention. They never, well, they don't follow, do what He says them to follow. do. There's a reason they're using Almond Tree, and I agree uh-huh, with you. Uh-huh. I think it's absolutely what you said. An almond tree is an early blooming type uh-huh. thing. It buds early. Uh-huh. Uh, there's an example of that, right? Yes, yes. I, I think. It's, what is that example? A, well, I, I, may, I, may I cut you off? Please, please. Please, uh, please. Because I, I didn't know where it, I was heading with an, that, but yeah, except well, for that. okay, because you know more than what you know. That was his first vision, uh, well, right? Uh, but I'm going to say the almond has a tree. It's an almond branch, almond tree. Mm-hmm. It come, it's actually a reference, is, of course, in Numbers 1723, okay. which is uh, there's an almond branch that blo- blossoms. Remember? Mm-hmm. And that has to do with who? Aaron's descendants. Yes, you're right. Oh, you're yes. Right. Remember, they they were having yes, this I test. Do. Now that you mentioned it, I do remember, remember that. Remember, yes. it was Aaron was oh. called. And, and so, yeah. remember, Moses' sister, Jump what was her name? Soap. Yeah. What was her name? What's it? My name is. M- no, Moses' sister, uh, Miriam. Miriam, uh-huh. They got kind of jealous of, of Aaron being the priest, uh, didn't they? And they were questioning why he would be the well, priest. And that's a fine story, but that's not. That's not that's it. Not, it. Isn't that the no, one no, where he said. That's a great story. Everybody bring this staff, and they put their staffs there. And that's in the morning, the in the story. morning, Aaron's staff had blossomed. Ah. That's see? not the story? Yes, you, you followed through. You did fine. Okay. <laughs> so I get so a that, seventy passing grade. No, no, you get a. I, I give you like a B plus. Okay, good, good. Uh, but this, the idea. So we know it's, but it's early blossoming. Uh-huh. So it has a reference, of course. Uh, it becomes Aaron's descendants. But okay. This, you were very good when you said it's an early blossoming thing. So let's carry that thought forward. Let's, if it has as an almond tree, but it hasn't budded yet, and it's one of the earliest. We're talking about timing. Mm-hmm. Timing. Mm-hmm. This means, look, this thing that's coming is coming fast. Mm-hmm. Before the early branches get the bud, it's coming. So this issue about the almond branch is about timing. It hasn't blossomed. Was it saying? Was it saying we're still early? I mean, here he is, Jeremiah is young, and this is—he's got forty years now to preach and call on the people to repent and do this, but they never do it. So he, this is early in his ministry. Is that the idea that? Is that the idea then that that uh, this is I'm going to call you to do this thing, but we're early on in the process? Is that the well? Yeah, the you, point. You read the next verse. It says uh, yeah, twelve, right? You read. <laughs> he's, God says you have seen well. It means I am watching. Well, I, I like what is your say. I'm more comfortable with the word God saying I. You have seen well, Jeremiah. I am resolved. I will accomplish my word. In other words, and it's not going to be a great deal of time. I see, because the the word for almond is shaket, and it sounds like the word watching. Is that am I right? Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, you could do the that. The word for almond sounds like the word for I am watching. They put those two ideas together, and I will certainly carry out my plans. But then he says, goes right on to his second vision. Yes, he does. <clears throat> And he says, what do you see uh, now? 
And Jeremiah says, I see a pot Is this a boi- vision test? <laughs> I see a pot of boiling water spilling from the north. Yes, says water. the Lord, for terror from the north will boil out on the people of this land. Listen, I am calling the armies of the kingdoms of the north to come uh, to Jerusalem. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, is the boiling pot the people from the north, or is it something else? Well, it sounds like the judgment from the armies and the peoples of the north who are going to come down and well, that's going to happen, set their thrones yeah. at the gates of the city. They will right. attack its walls and all the other towns of Judah and so on. It's pointed towards the north. Uh-huh. The boiling pot is pointed towards the north. Actually, Babylon is not north. I know. It's to the east. But did you know that when the Babylon invaded Judah, they did go up. Their, their country is they went up through the north and came down. And came south. Yeah. They at first they they actually attacked and conquered Nineveh, right? No, they went right straight there. Right, they were they were very powerful. Yeah, uh-huh. but here's what I want to say: the boiling pot is Jerusalem. Okay, so that I see a boiling pot, and it's yeah, and it's facing north, mm-hmm. and so that's where they'll come. So it's very fascinating. And then, uh, well, I'm sorry, you want to say something? Else? Well, because Jerusalem, uh, the the people who reject Jeremiah's message. Yeah. Uh, to them, they they called Jerusalem a, a melt a, a boiling pot. Yes, they did. And they said, "No, we're in the sense that we're going to be protected. Mm-hmm. We're so we're yeah. so uh, special to God that we're nothing bad's going to happen to us because we're a boiling pot. The meat, you know, the meat in it, and, and so and on. And you can carry the symbolic nature forward uh-huh. because the fire is under the pot." It doesn't really touch the contents. So the walls of Jerusalem would be like the pots. Protect them, yeah. 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 Protect the meat and inside. Boy, yeah. did, they, uh, did they guess wrong on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're and, wrong. And and look and, what it says in 16. Oh, man, are we out of Can time? you believe it? Yeah. Soapy, one of us have talked too much. <laughs> one or both. One or both. Folks, you can join us, and uh, we'd love to have you be a part of the program. 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. This is The Bible Live. We're, we've just started this past week reading through the book of Jeremiah. So we're going to get in and talk more about this prophet of God and about his messages. And we just kind of barely got started this uh, first couple of segments. So stay with us and give us a call if you'd like to comment or ask a question about uh, the readings. All right. We'll be right back. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. One more segment. That's all we have left. At the time, it's just gone by tonight. Well, we've only gotten into chapters one and two. Our, our almond tree of the has book of not Jeremiah. even blossomed. The almond tree has. <laughs> it's still early. Okay, so then uh, let's go. We, we start these early visions that Jeremiah has, and he begins to warn the people. Well, I just like to set what the Jews are doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Take a look at one sixteen. Mm-hmm. One sixteen. 
I will pronounce judgment on my people for all their evil, for deserting me, burning incense to other gods. Yes, they worship idols made with their own hands. Ah, so that's what got God in a bad mood. Mm, okay. So now, of course, they had made a covenant. They breached the covenant. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's important. And, of course, uh, then uh, we'll learn that what ha- that happens, the people that did that is uh, – uh, they end up getting a little punishment themselves. Oh, oh right, exactly. Yeah. But there is uh, something very interesting. I, I look at your questions 16 to 17 because they go together. Question. Oh, okay. Uh, the questions from, about the, uh, from the book of Jeremiah says, what was the normal use of, of the, the Valley of the Son of Hinnom? Uh, it's mentioned several times in Scripture, the valley, and, and it was a... It was a valley just outside of Jerusalem. And what terrible sin did the people of Judah carry out there? And if I remember correctly, you can look in chapter 7, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 31. And I'm not sure if it shows up in that very verse, but the valley of the son of Hinnom was normally, if I understand correctly, it was a city garbage dump. But it was also used as a place where uh, they practice the sacrifice, child sacrifice yes. to the false god Moloch. Um, Topheth uh, is a word that means fireplace. And if we look in chapter 7, verse 31, I guess we see that. Does that help out from, yeah, the, yeah. from your question? Yeah, that's what I'd like to talk about before we get too late. I'd like to talk about this child sacrifice business. Yes, okay. Chapter seven. I'm I'm going to jump over there real All quick, right. but it's yeah, this was thirty something, and thirty one. Is... I think Isaiah mentions this as well. But the people of Israel so compromised their own faith and their own understanding that that they would join in this terrible practice that right. they they got from the the Canaanite peoples around their false gods and and so on. They would child sacrifice, and you've mentioned this a number of times that uh, child sacrifice was not just like somebody trying to appease the gods. I mean, sometimes we think of, we hear about that, like even the Aztecs in, in, down in, in Latin America, their past, there, there was human sacrifice and so on. And we think of that as just kind of t- tried to appease God, but you've given us a different perspective as well, that uh, sometimes the idea was that the, the, a child was seen as having being close to the spirit world and that sort of thing. And that they would uh, kill a child, and then they would embalm the head, or t- and there was idea that that was a source of spiritual knowledge and information they could receive in that way, right? Yeah, they would that, do that to a child, or maybe happen, uh, yes. to a prophet, even. Uh, I, a, pro- I thought you... uh, a prophet or an early born child, uh-huh. usually the firstborn male. Okay, uh, but I, first, I do want to mention too the name Molech. Okay? Uh-huh. That is not the name. That's a title. A title, yes. And I want, and so, so don't confuse anybody. The word king in Hebrew is Malek, Malek. So the, the idea here is that the na- that the e is left out, and they put the also Molek. They're making the idea that it's a it's a king of sorts. But would you like to know what kind of god it is? Yes. Or do you have it there? And we're in chapter 7, verse what, 31? 30 and 31. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The people of Judah have sinned before my very eyes, says the Lord. They have set up their abominable idols right in the temple yes. that bears my name, yep. defiling the temple. They have built pagan shrines at Topheth, the garbage dump in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, 
and there they burned their sons and daughters in the fire. I have never commanded such a horrible deed. It never even crossed my mind to command such a thing. So beware, for the time is coming, said the Lord, when that garbage dump will no longer be called Topheth or the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, but the Valley of Slaughter. They will bury the bodies in Topheth and until there is no more room for them. The bodies of my people will be food for the vultures and wild animals, and no one will be left to scare them away. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So. Let me tell you what this God is. This is a calf. It's a calf. Mm-hmm. And it has a servant by it that has uh, two arms sticking out. And uh, this is horrible, but it was what was going on. And you're absolutely accurate. They fell into using the worship methods of the Canaanites and the other people around them. And this is horrible. And they would heat the arms and the hands of this metal. Oh. And they'd put the live baby on there. I could hardly stand the thought. Well, here. And then they, had a, 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 then they had a drummer there. And the more the child wailed, the more louder they would hit beat the drum. So that way nobody could hear the wailing of the child. I, ran, I talked to a person a long time ago in Germany that was in a, a, a Christian church, and they were not far from one of the places where they were burning up people in the furnaces. And, uh, they, and they said, we knew, of course, what was going on, and we could hear the screams. And when we asked, what did you do? Their answer was, we sang louder so we couldn't hear. Mm-hmm. Now, that's kind of what's going on here. I see. And so they actually have a drum beat. That's a calf. And, uh, and, I, and the thing that always amazes me is where did people get a religious, a quote-unquote religious idea that killing a child was a way to worship a god? And you know the story. Very uh, clearly, God says, I never said anything he said, like that. I never it's said, never, I, I never you, even entered, the mm-hmm. Hebrew is, I never even entered my mind. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, and I don't know how to resolve that. I'll let you handle it if you want to talk <laughs> about Jesus. But I don't, I don't want to touch that. I'll let you handle mm-hmm. it if you like. But I know the story of Abraham when he takes Isaac up on the mountain. That story means to the Jew, because around that area, there was child sacrifice going on. Mm-hmm. And he takes Isaac up, and, of course, he's going to slaughter Isaac. When he takes the knife, by the way, interesting side note, the word in Hebrew for that knife is the same word that makes up the word Bethlehem. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. So, City of he, bread, yeah. Yeah, so he's going to, and he gets stopped. So the meaning of that story to the Jews is you never, ever sacrifice your child to please this god. There may be other gods that the Canaanites have, and they would teach their religion. But the meaning of that story to the Jews is is that you do not kill your children. And so here, this religion has become so pervasive, and and I hate to say it, but it did. Mm -hmm. And uh, they would actually heat up these arms and hands and burn that baby to death. And I, I cannot get my mind around how would somebody construct a religion that you kill children to worship a God. I, and, and it came from the Canaanite child sacrifice. Even In fact, some of the slaughter tables, you might call them, mm-hmm. still, they still are around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
you got to wonder, how in the world would somebody, where, what goes on in their mind? And I'm going to tell you something that I hate to bring up. We don't have to look at it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the very first devotees, devotees are the uh, persons that may have been one of the progenitors of causing this type of mm-hmm. aberrant, hideous worship, may have been, well, I know it is, it's uh, the oldest son of Lot. From Sodom and Gomorrah. Did you know oh, that? Yeah. yeah. And 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 you think how how can this happen? I mean, I, I don't know how it happens. And I, I can't even get my mind around how somebody even could construct such a religion. And I can't get my mind around how anybody else would even go along with it. Uh, uh it doesn't make any well, sense. Well, Jeremiah, I think one of the things that he points out is the the, the is the depravity of human beings that that really that well, I, I can't remember the exactly verse. It, it, the, the, the a man is is um, depraved beyond imagination. That the depth of wickedness and evil is there's no logic to it. And when we do set out to reject God and to resist God, um, the depths to which we can sink have always startled. I mean, even even. Hitler and the Holocaust. Who would have ever thought that that could ever happen? Some of the things that we've seen, Pol Pot and and the, the, even Stalin, and, and, and uh, sometimes it really is astounding what the human heart is capable of. Um, but you know, beyond I, our imagination, I, I, as, really, as horrible as that is, and horrendous as that is, that was straight out murder. And I got it. I understand people killing people and murder. What I can't make the leap on. Is how does that become a form of worship? Yeah, uh, I'm not saying I understand it, but uh, I definitely know uh, because of that and so many other things we've seen throughout history. Frankly, I, 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 I'm, I guess I'm hard oh. to be surprised by the depravity of human beings. Yeah. What they're capable of. Both incredible, wonderful, selfless acts of love and, and mercy and, and courage and so on, but at the same time, on the other hand, uh, the, the depravity. Uh, the soul of man is desperately wicked. Uh, who can know it? You know, the, the, I, I'm trying to think of that verse. Uh, it seems like it is from Jeremiah, even. But but we see this. Uh, I will want to mention there. I guess in that vein, uh, you kind of alluded a little bit to the idea of God. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Uh, the, the, the fundamental difference between even even Abraham and, and Isaac and, and, and God and his son, it, we're not talking about God killing a baby. We're talking about Abraham was an old man. Isaac didn't. Isaac didn't have to lay down on that altar. Isaac was 33 years old at the time. Yeah. He could have said no. Yeah, he could have said no, but he was willing. He And in that and of course Jesus wasn't forced in forced down he 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 gave. Jesus himself said no one takes my life from me. I freely give it. So that that would be a key difference but between that and the idea well, of you might killing an innocent child. There is a difference of opinion in Jewish history. I want to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But there is some people that make that argue that King Manasseh, who was extraordinarily evil among the Jews, mm-hmm. 
that he himself sacrificed one of his children at, to this god. Yeah, it seems to me like the, that's even recorded in here. Well, there's a, there, there's a difference of opinion if he did it or not. Oh, but, I see. But I see. Because I, I remember, I thought he even said there, he even did this. Through, yes. yeah. mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's move on then. The, the, that that tense, the, they were involved in wickedness for many, many decades. The moving away from God, not worshiping God. There were some very. What were some of the signs of that? I I think some of the signs. Interestingly enough, women played a big part in the downfall and the decline of Jerusalem, and and in, even in the ministry of Jeremiah, uh, women took a very leading part, and they actively even confronted Jeremiah and said, we're not going to worship your God. We're not going to stop worshiping the, worshiping the queen of the heavens. We do this, we do, and, and our, men, uh, do, our men do it because we told them to do it. You know, they even, <laughs> they kind of flaunting yeah. their, 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 their feminist power or whatever you call it. So there's a lot of people maybe see well, a, a little bit of, of early a feminism. Lot of and, turned at that time turned their womb into a tomb. Exactly. So it would be a dangerous thing to be mm-hmm. uh, in the womb of people who are going to sacrifice the children. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and there's some lesson that we can learn from that in our time, in our culture, in our society today as well. But we won't yeah, – I mean, not that I'm afraid of the topic or insensitive to it, but uh, I think most of us know uh, abortion, that what we're seeing today is so terribly wicked I can't even imagine. And then recently we had this – what this governor of some state saying, well, what, we're even contemplating the idea that we'll kill a child after he's born. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll make him comfortable, and then the doctor and the mother will decide together what to do, and even after the, uh, the live birth of a child. So uh, we're living in dangerous, very difficult, and uh, well, we're, know, uh, we are flirting with the danger of judgment, God's judgment on us as a nation as well. I don't think, uh, and there are passages where it talks about the blood of the innocents that are they cry well, out to they, God. They, what really the final straw that broke the camel's back, as they say, what happened with the uh, expulsion of the Canaanites and uh-huh. the dates and those people was child sacrifice. Yeah, it, back in that time. And of, here yeah. we have them, their religion becoming so so pervasive mm-hmm. that they got some Jews to go along with Coming it. In full and circle, that was yeah. the, the line that was drawn in the uh, dirt by God. He said, mm-hmm. uh, "That's enough for me." That's you can't it. Do that. I that's won't allow the, child sacrifice in my land. That seemed to be the ultimate, the, the ultimate thing that brought about finally, ultimately. But let's let's also mention the fact that even as far back as as uh, Moses, and you go back to the time of Solomon, the, the, there were these constant reminders that if you disobey me, if you reject me, if you that you know. That I will bring judgment. That that you will be cast out of the land. Others will come along, and and so on. And so there were these. There's constant warnings to the people. And in and in uh, 722 B.C., Nineveh came down. The Assyrians came down from the north, and they conquered uh, Samaria and, and the ten tribes of the north. They were taken away in chains, and they never returned. These ten lost tribes. Uh, and in in about 140 years later, then. Finally, Judah and Benjamin, the final two tribes in the south, they finally sink as well to that that level of rejection of God and the, the breaking you of the covenant. You know, it's interesting since you brought that up. And God uses uh, Babylon. Of course, the Messiah, his, one of his jobs, the Messiah's one of his jobs mm-hmm. is to restore the Messington tribes. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So you've said that before. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that that is one of the jobs. And I will point out in the book of James in the New Testament scriptures, he addresses his letter to the twelve tribes. Mm-hmm. So either he's just saying uh, just in case, or he actually knew where they were. Now, and that goes on two or three times in the New in the New Testament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, I, I would I would uh, say that. The stories of the so-called ten virgins that Jesus tells. Yeah. That's the ten missing, we, so-called missing. Yeah, we talked about that. But I got we, a question yeah. for you. Uh-huh. Okay, so what well, you, uh, let me just, I remember to, before I mentioned that oh, there was a time when, when God told Jeremiah, uh, if you look at chapter 10, uh, Jeremiah's prayer, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We're not able to plan our own course, so correct me. But please be gentle. Do not correct me in anger, for I will die. Pour out your wrath on the nations that refuse to acknowledge you. And, and he called, you know, he's praying for mercy on Jerusalem. So, But then in chapter 11, uh, God says, Jeremiah, pray no more for these people. Do not weep or pray for them, for I will not listen to them when they cry out to me in distress. Mm-hmm. And there's that pat- I mentioned earlier that God at some point tells Jeremiah, it's it's over. Turn out the lights. The party is over. Don't, you know, don't even pray for them. That's, that is a terrible spot to come to in, in terms of... Uh, an individual or, or a people that, when God gives up on you and says it's over, you know, or, <laughs> go ahead. I just no, I mentioned okay. that verse earlier, and there it is in chapter eleven, verse fourteen. Or in chapter eleven, okay. Let's since you're at chapter eleven, why don't we just look over at chapter twelve? Okay, why not? Uh, chapter twelve, verse one. Are you ready? Look what Isaiah does. Chapter- Jeremiah, you mean? Did I say, I did not say Jeremiah. Did you I? did say Isaiah. I, I, yeah. I meant Jeremiah. Okay, <laughs> look what he says in 12.1. Lord, you always give me justice when I bring your case before you, so let me bring you this complaint. No. Why are uh, the wicked so prosperous? Why are evil people so happy? So what he's doing is, it's actually stronger language than that. I have a charge to make against you, God. Mm-hmm. Now think about it. Here's Jeremiah. This guy's been, we've learned, has been mm-hmm. appointed. And he, in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I have a charge against you, God. Why Uh do the wicked prosper? Is there any book you can think of that addressed that issue? A popular book in the last 20 years, 30 years. Did address? Uh, oh, of, of our time. I, yeah, I, I, our time. I, yes. Okay, uh-huh. contemporary a book yes. that addresses the yes. issue of why the wicked yes. prosper. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, right. good things happen to bad people. Bad you things happen it. to That's good it. people. You got it. Okay. And, there, and there's a book? Huh? And there's a book well, written on that thing? It's a famous seller book, sure. Oh, what is R- it? Written by a rabbi. And it's called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Oh, really? Okay, it's okay. A, it's a famous book, and it sold lots and lots of copies. Okay. Very small book, quick uh-huh. reading. Uh-huh. And a rabbi wrote it, and he didn't do it. And he wrote it because his child died of a... Pulgeria uh-huh. at age 14. That's where you age like a 90-year-old man at, eight, at your mm-hmm. teenage years. And he couldn't understand. So that's bad things happening to a good person okay, or an so innocent person. In the book, he makes the point of this. He says, there are two problems. Why do bad things happen to good people? But conversely, what troubles him also, maybe more. Why does the wicked prosper? Isn't that another version of that same idea? Well, here it is. Here it is right here. And and so Jeremiah is saying, 
God, I'm, I want you to answer this because I have a charge against you. You're punishing these Jews. Uh-huh. How come the wicked are prospering? Well, is there an answer? Are you asking me the question? Yeah. I think there's, of course, there's an answer. Is there an answer that comes in Chapter 12? I don't know if there's an answer in Chapter 12, but go ahead. You, no, no. That's, you're on a roll. No. No, go ahead. Uh, does God answer? Uh, the Lord's reply. If racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on the ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Even your brothers, members of your own family, have turned against you. They plot and raise complaints against you. Do not trust them, no matter how pleasantly they speak. I have abandoned my people, my special possession. I have surrendered my dearest ones to their enemies. My chosen people have roared at me like a lion of the forest, so I have treated them with contempt. My chosen people act like speckled vultures, but they they themselves are surrounded by vultures. Bring on the wild animals to pick Which, their what corpses are you clean. What verses? Uh, I'm going down five through nine. I'm trying to find the answer that you just asked. Does God answer? Uh, are you saying that God does answer the question? He seems to give an answer. Okay. Go for it. Uh, uh, I no, keep hear. going. You got uh, <laughs> No, how long you, you far right do I have to go? Stop. Go to verse 10. Okay. Uh, many rulers have ravaged my vineyard, trampling down the vines and turning all its beauty into barren wilderness. They have made it an empty, wa- empty wasteland. I hear its mournful cry. The whole land is desolate and no one even cares. And on, on all the bare hilltops, destroying armies can be seen. The sword of the Lord devours people okay, from one so end of the nation the to the other. Time, okay. Jeremiah says, I have a charge against you, God. Why do you let the wicked prosper? The other nations that are bad guys. Uh-huh. God's answer is, well, I think you got this mixed up. Those guys are bad guys, but they are bad guys. The difference is Israel is supposed to be a good guy. So when they did bad, they're the wicked ones. So when you're saying, why do I let the wicked prosper? I am not letting the wicked prosper. And then when we get over to the... Twelve fourteen, it God says, as for all, all of the evil neighbors of Israel, they will be punished. Yeah. So he's saying, no wicked, the wicked doesn't get away, whether it's Israel or the other guys. Nobody gets away with it. Nobody. But it does seem like in this life, often, and, and many of the prophets uh, raise that question. Uh, who was the uh, who was the uh, prophet? Uh, uh, the one that. He was the uh, he was the son of of um, uh, uh, the Shemanite woman in in uh, Habakkuk. Habakkuk raises that same question: yeah. Why do the evil? Why do uh, the wicked prosper? And why why don't you judge? You know, and uh, when are you going to? And several times I think the psalmist cries out: When will you judge, Lord? When will you judge your enemies and those who do evil? And, and uh, I, I think it's a question that we all ask in our common times. People, it, it sometimes uh, they uh, lose a loved one, a lost one. They, oh God, why? You know that question, why, is always difficult. I think for human beings, uh, in some ways, because God has a far bigger perspective of our existence as human beings than we do. We think of these. 70 years that we live on this earth as, you know, that's, that's, that's the, the highest point and the lowest. So this is all the, the do all and be all of our existence is just the time here. Whereas God purpose for us is an eternal purpose 
to dwell with him in eternity and, and dwell with his people forever. So I, I think that difference of perspective that God has uh, means that uh, nothing that happens in this life is necessarily – it's, it's only crucial and vital as it relates to that eternal question, it seems like to me. Um, uh, you know, it makes reference to uh, Babylon's, Babylonian – the Babylonian's uh, God. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Realize that our time was slipping by that fast. Well, we got down to our commentary to chapters what 10, 11, 12, yeah. and uh, we're going to pick up this coming week, folks. Join us Monday through Friday. We'll continue our way and through the be book some of Jeremiah. Really good stuff, and always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. Amen goes there. See you next Sunday, everyone. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.